We're so excited to be bringing you our first ever guest episode for The Slowdown. And let me just say, this is a very, very important and special conversation to both Sam and I. And as we sat down and were deep in the planning mode of what episodes we were going to be recording and releasing through January, we couldn't miss the opportunity to have this very essential conversation around the upcoming Australia Day celebrations and why this actually isn't a date to be celebrated, as well as the need for more social impact conversations to be had within the online coaching community. Before we introduce you to our incredible guest, we would like to take a moment to acknowledge the lands that we are sharing from today, the traditional lands of the Wadjuk people of the Wallyup area and Nalama country. Together, we'd like to pay our respects to the traditional custodians of these lands, along with the lands you're currently in, and celebrate the contributions of our First Nations elders, both past, present and emerging. We invite you to take a moment to acknowledge the lands you're currently on and your First Nations elders. Unfortunately, I was unwell with a migraine on the date of this conversation, but you're going to hear Sam interview Louise O'Reilly, a Warrawa Noongar Aboriginal woman based in Borlupat. She is a relentless force against the oppressive status quo. Fueled by her love for her children, she's on a mission to reshape the entrepreneurial world with inclusivity at its core. As an inclusion, diversity, equity, and allyship coach, she supports heart-centered, socially conscious entrepreneurs who want to have a positive impact in the world and be part of the inclusion revolution. Louise supports them to be change makers through the Inclusion Creators Collective membership and speaking services. Her goal and vision is the co-creation of a world where everyone is liberated to feel safe and free to be their authentic self. This guides her gently powerful, compassionate and purpose-driven coaching style. Beyond her business, Louise was a freelance writer for Amnesty International Australia, a radio host and a Miss Nadoc Perth finalist. We've got all the details on how you can connect with Louise in the show notes below. Now let's dive into the conversation. We all know the cautionary tale of the tortoise and the hare, but what does that actually look like in life and business? I'm Jess, somatic strategist and creator of Generative Profit. I'm Sam, psychotherapist, coach, supervisor, and facilitator of permission. And together, inside this podcast, we're combining our experience in business and expertise in mindset, strategy, and the nervous system to bring you real, raw, and deeply nuanced conversations, lessons, and perspective shifts that'll support you to strip back the layers of conditioning you have around traditional success and heal your relationship with your business, worth, work and money so you can soften into success, exhale as you expand and create a life and business filled with riches and richness. If you're ready to dance in the slow and actualize the knowing that it's from this place you'll collapse timelines and create sustained momentum toward the income, impact, presence, and pleasure you desire, then pour yourself a cuppa and get cozy because this is for you. Welcome to the slowdown. So obviously, Jess and I believe that January the 26th is not a date to celebrate. Is it okay with you if you share a little bit about what it's like for you as a First Nations woman when you see people in Australia still continuing to celebrate the date, like how that impacts on you and, and yeah, how it makes you feel. Sure, sure, absolutely, I can do that. Um, now I'm going to be really, really honest. Uh, you can do all the internal work to not be triggered by 
what other people do. Mm. Uh, but the truth is we live in a society and we communal beings and belonging matters and it does affect me it absolutely does affect me to see people who continue to celebrate on that date uh, knowing that it is causing harm to other people it is causing harm to my community and to my family Um, so to me it very much is I know this is hurting you but I'm going to do it anyway, um, which adds a whole nother level of feeling like you uh, don't belong, you're not welcome, um, that in some way it it feels really, it does feel personal because it's not a case in Australia of not knowing about it because we have been talking about not having it on the 26th of January since the very first time it was announced to be on that date. So it is at least 30 years of us saying, please stop doing this. It's not nothing new. Everyone knows the the change the date campaign. Um, So it's not a case of not knowing. It is a case of choice on whether to or not. Yeah. Thank you for sharing so openly and honestly. Uh, the something that I think about because of my background in psychotherapy is I've worked with a lot of clients who have gone through trauma and it's like, imagine if someone wanted you to celebrate something really traumatic that happened to your family and your ancestors every year, like no one wants to, um, to celebrate trauma in that way, do they? Absolutely not. And it is one of those things that we have a society, which we can, Australia is something to celebrate. Our community is something to celebrate. Our country is something to celebrate. But you are asking the first people here to celebrate on a day which causes so much harm to us. And, um, you know, we, in order to have that community, in order to have that friendship, in order to have that reconciliation or conciliation, mm-hmm. um, because a lot of the places it wasn't friendly to begin with and then we've moved apart and we've come back together, a lot of places it was hostile to begin with and we are trying to come together, which is conciliation. To get to that point, there needs to be acknowledgement of wrongdoings. There needs to be acknowledgement of pain and suffering. And there needs to be acknowledgement that that is still being upheld and continuing today through the celebration of this day on the Jan- on January 26. Mm. Yeah. And for me, it's so frustrating. Like, I, I just don't understand why anyone wouldn't agree to it. Like, even if they don't understand it, it's just like, well, it's distressing and it's not right on so many levels. Like I I find it really hard to understand why it's such a big deal to change the date in many ways, but thank you for speaking that out. It's really important for us to hear that and to, and to remember that. And that actually makes me think about, I'm really curious what your beliefs are around whether we should be changing the date, abolishing Australia day or redefining it. I saw a really interesting post on Clothes the Gap on, on their Instagram, and they were kind of talking about the the different kind of debates that are happening at the moment. Would you be open to sharing your point of view? Absolutely. Now, I do want to, I guess, preface this with saying that I'm a single voice amongst a community. Mm-hmm. And part of us um, 
you know, deconstructing our privilege and deconstructing colonialism is understanding that as a marginalised community, we are individuals that form a whole collective of people who have um, shared backgrounds and shared culture. So this is my individual perspective on this and not something that speaks to my whole community. Um, because there are people within my community who believe in abolishing it altogether. They believe that until we get to a point where Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples are uh, respected and valued and included, there is nothing to celebrate until we can do those things. Um, and then you have this change the date campaign, which is not about abolishing it, not about getting rid of it. It's literally just moving it to a non-colonial day that is not significant to anyone in any way other than saying let's celebrate Australia, all of Australia and all of its people on this day. And then that redefinition, I think, with changing the date um, and also with abolishing it, there has to be some kind of redefinition regardless. So I think that forms both of it. I am definitely in um, a supporter of changing the date. Yes. I do believe there are things to celebrate. I don't believe any of it is connected to colonialism because colonialism not only causes Aboriginal community harm, it causes everyone harm. Um, it is traumatic for everyone because it's very much linked in with that privilege system. Yeah. It's very much linked in with racism and genderism and patriarchy and white supremacy. That is all the stuff that is really toxic and harming everyone and it contributes to that thing. But there are beautiful things that we can celebrate despite mm. what has happened here. Yeah. And that is, oh, I'm feeling a little bit emotional. That is something to celebrate. Yeah, it's... our community and having these conversations and being open to changing things, even if we consider we've we've only ever known those things in our lifetime. When we hear that someone within our community is suffering in some way or hurting in some way, can we have the strength and the um, you know the values that we hold so dear here in Australia that that level of compassion, that level of fairness uh, to say this doesn't work anymore, yeah. these people are hurting and because I love and I care about them, I'm okay to change. Yeah. Mm, yeah, I really felt that when you said it. Thank you. I think there is something, it's, it's that being able to hold that there's so much more to do and so much that needs to change but also for you there are things to celebrate celebrate about being in Australia and in, including that kind of compassion that I guess most most of us kind of want to live by don't we absolutely absolutely and it is that whole system again that jumps in yeah. to say no we can't change things because we want to create this idea of fear around anything that's different, fear of anything that uh, changes, fear about anything that's unknown. Because the truth is if we do change the date, we don't know what that would look like for everyone. Mm. But what we can know for sure is that there will be healing involved in that. Mm. 
There will be coming together in that. There will be celebrating of difference in cultures and celebrating in sameness. It would be so amazing and so beautiful that there are things we can expect from that. What we can expect for what we have right now, the thing that we do know, and the thing that a lot of people who are probably your listeners only have ever known is that there is a divide and there is pain and there is suffering on this state. And every year we don't look forward to Australia Day because there is a massive conversation and debate and protests and rallies that happen every single year. Is that what we want for Australia? Is that what we want for us as a community? Yeah. Or can we look at it and go, what would it mean to me? to change the day and if it simply is changing a date in your diary what is stopping you from actually doing that and to consider being in a community this is just imagining in being in a community where you are excluded from something you are meant to be part of and considering how you may feel in that space and whether you would want people to consider you and include you in that space. Mm. Yeah, wow. I really have this sense of you having this amazing empathy towards um, like this, you've got this ability to kind of put yourself in everyone else's shoes as well. And I, I think that's pretty incredible. And it, it, it seems to be a way to yeah, create more connection and have these conversations that need to happen. Something that I remember when I was living in London, I got told by so many English people that Australians are racist. And I remember like, I studied social work and, you know, did a lot of that kind of self-awareness about, you know, understanding my own um, biases and that in some ways everybody is racist. But I still found it so offensive being told by English people how racist we were. But then, yeah, coming back and like just watching and observing with awareness everything that's going on, like I I can't, I can see how, yeah, there, there is so much racism in Australia and, and why wouldn't we want to change that? Like don't we want to break free from that identity? Yes, yes. With that, you know, I think you... Uh, speak about something that is so important and it's something that I would love your listeners to Mm. understand conceptually, really understand this. There is a difference between your identity as being a racist Mm -hmm. and your behaviour as your behaviour is supporting racism. Mm. And so I imagine every single one of your listeners is going, I, I'm doing my best to be a good person. Yeah. I do, want, do not want to support racism. I do not want to be a racist. All those yeah. things are going. So part of your identity is no, it's linked into kindness and fairness and compassion and all those beautiful, beautiful values. That's who your audience believes yourself to be. Unfortunately, mm. through social conditioning, we have been conditioned automatically subconsciously to behave in ways that support 
racism. So we may be behaving in ways that support and uphold that racism without us even know we are doing it. Mm. So even though consciously we're saying, no, this is who we believe ourselves to be and this is how we're consciously trying to show up in the world, on a subconscious level and in our automatic behaviour, which is most of our behaviour, we are actually behaving in a way that supports racism. So if you can separate those two and say it doesn't mean you are racist, you're behaving racist, but if you can now go and unpack that to a spot to go, okay, let's bring some of my unconscious bias into the conscious space and for this kind of work, you do need someone to help you with it. You can't bring your unknown to the known because you don't know it. Um, but using that unconscious, um, someone to help you bring them out, then you can start looking at it and go, oh, my goodness, how I said this thing could be seen as racist mm-hmm. or how I held my body in this way could be seen as racist or when I had this thought pop in my mind, that could be seen as racist. And then we can start unpacking it within ourselves and redefining mm. it within ourselves in order to condition ourselves to behave in ways that are actually truly in line with who we are and who we believe ourselves to be and not in ways that support a system that supports racism. Yes, that's so powerful. And would you, I'm imagining that you would recommend like a healthy dose of self-compassion with that, like that it's not about kind of when you do notice that you are behaving in ways that are um, perhaps, you know, not conducive to who you want to see yourself as um, or your identity that you might start to get really critical or really hard on yourself. I'm, I'm really curious about your approach to that. Yes, Yes, absolutely, self-compassion. This kind of work is that shadow work side of stuff. That is that inner work that you're doing. So you are looking at your identity as a whole. And sometimes it can be really shocking what comes through. Sometimes it can feel like you're breaking a little bit, but sometimes the crumbling needs to happen for the real you to come through. Um, yes, be kind to yourself. Yes, be gentle yourself. But I also want to give you this as well. When you are feeling, um, you know, all kinds of bad ways about recognising that maybe you have been contributing to racism or upholding that system, consider having a different perspective. Mm -hmm. So from your own perspective and your own feelings, you're thinking about, well, I, I haven't been behaving in a way that is in line with what I believe myself to be and I am causing harm to others and I feel bad about that. If you yes. can step outside of yourself and ask yourself the question, me feeling this way, is this either upholding that system even further or is it going to be contributing to creating positive social change or changing it in a meaningful way or having impact in a meaningful way? Because if you have that, if you're carrying guilt or shame with you around those things, it actually doesn't help anyone. It doesn't help you and it doesn't help the community to change in any way or have any positive impact. This is where we need to be going, yes, we feel these things and it's totally beautiful to feel all the feels that you have. But it's also important to know 
there needs to be a journey onto the other side of that into an empowered space where we go, okay, I felt those things. I'm not holding on to the guilt. I'm going to, from this point forward, decide to do things differently, decide to change the way I'm showing up, decide the way to behave in a different way because I can now recognise what I have done is not in alignment with what I want to be, how I want to do things or how I want to show up. It's from this moment on things are changing. I'm altering my behaviour to be better because I know better. Mm. Yeah, it's very vulnerable process, isn't it? Which is why having an amazing mentor like yourself is really important. Trying to do this work on our own can be quite, yeah, we can, we can feel quite, well, for me anyway, like a bit vulnerable and a bit adrift. Like it's, I think it's really important to have someone to kind of support you with it. Absolutely. Having an anchor there yeah. to ground you back into space, really remind you really of who you are, uh, to have some form of process for you. Here's the process you go through. Let's not get you stuck anywhere. Let's keep going. You are going in this uh, process around and around and around. So you always know where to, to go. You have that support, someone cheering you on, someone there going, look, I know this is tough and it's great you are here and I know why you're here, but we've got this goal. We've got this vision together. It is the inclusion revolution. You know, it is ridding the world of racism and patriarchy and genderism and all those other yucky, yucky things that oppress people. We have that vision. So what are we going to do? And having that, you know, oh, yes, let's get inspired. And let's actually take some action. And having a plan that actually is aligned with you, who you are, what's important to you, what your values are, what your business is, and then creating something that can powerfully create impact, not just spreading your energy and not moving the needle. I'm talking about making real change based on who you are as a unique individual and a unique business. They're the kinds of things that you need because if you don't know those things, how you are, what I call your unique allyship style or your unique inclusion style, you could be just throwing spaghetti at the wall. Mm. Don't, need, don't know what sticks don't know what's meaningful and don't know what's powerful yes that I love that can you tell us a little bit more about how we would discover our unique style sure sure well there's a few different bits mm. um, and one of them is your knowing your values what are mm. your three top values Mm -hmm. They're things that speak to your soul about what you need to talk about when you're having these kinds of conversations and making sure you're linking back to them because mm -hmm. everyone who's connected to you is connected to your values and shares values with you. Um, and if you're a business owner, you have influence. Mm -hmm. You have that privilege because you're a business owner. People care about what you think, what you say, and what you do. Then there is also your vision. What do you actually want your vision to look like? What do your business, sorry, what do you want your business to look like? If it was inclusive, what does it feel like? Mm. Who is there? How does it all operate? And then there's also that global vision. What do you want for the world? Do you want to have a world where people are included, where marginalisation is not a thing, where people feel safe and free to be themselves authentically, 
is that part of, that's definitely my part of my vision and I'm asking people to walk with me to creating that vision. And then um, you have things that are really important to you. So sometimes you can return to back to childhood and think, what are the things that were really important to me as a kid? Or mm. what are things that are really important to me now that no matter what's going on in the outside world, I think are important. I'm not going to stop talking about them until they change because they're not okay. Those kinds of things can give you clues on how you have your unique allyship or unique inclusion style. Um, but then it also comes down to things like are you uh, introverted or extroverted? It comes down to things like uh, how do you like to shop in the world? Do you like writing? Do you like uh, creating through art? Do you like speaking? All those kinds of different things contribute to that. And only you can show up in that very particular way and only you can make and contribute to positive social change based on who you are. You were designed for that thing. Mm. Yeah, and I think our, like maybe our personalities play into it as well, don't they? Like how we how mm -hmm. we make difficult conversations. Um, yes. I, I can think about a personal example that happened last year on the on the 26th, and I would love your input around how we can have these um social impact conversations in a way that is actually effective because last year I saw a life coach who I know we're, we're quite kind of friendly um, and social together and she posted like an Australia Day flag and um, something about Happy Australia Day and things like that and I felt really horrified when I saw it and um, I thought oh she's going to be called out big time on social media but no one um, she had quite a small following no one actually said anything so I just sent her a DM on Instagram because I do believe in that concept of kind of calling in rather than calling out, like not shaming people. So I just said, oh, look, just wanted to give you a heads up. Like I don't think that this is really like something that we should be celebrating, particularly as life coaches, and I talked about why. But um, she just wasn't really open to feedback or she was kind of like, well, I deserve to celebrate it. So the conversation, I didn't feel like I actually achieved anything from having that conversation and I am really curious like you know how can we have those social impact conversations in a way that actually hopefully makes a difference and where we maybe don't end up feeling like as frustrated as I did as well yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely so there are a few uh things that I recommend with having these uh, tips for effective communication. One of them certainly is neutrality. Mm. So having these types of conversations from a neutral space that you know what you believe in yeah. and you are going to behave um, in a way that aligns with you. So that may be not celebrating Australia Day on, the, on January 26th. Mm -hmm. So go into it going, I'm here to have a conversation, but regardless it doesn't matter if people believe what I believe in or do what I do. I'm having this conversation because it's an important conversation to have. Mm -hmm. I'm having this conversation because I uh, care about the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander community and therefore as an ally to that community, it's, it's my responsibility to have this conversation. 
but I'm not going to have any attachment as to whether someone agrees with me and I'm not going to have any attachment as to whether I change anyone's opinion or make them change their behaviour in any way. It's about a conversation. Mm. You know, we're not coming in here to mic drop people. Yeah. To just blast them, to make them. And quite often uh, people who want to change behaviours in uh, the social impact space will say, we need to make people uncomfortable. We need to make people uncomfortable. Unfortunately, that kind of thought doesn't actually work for us in a physiological sense. Because if you are making people uncomfortable, uh, their defence mechanisms are going to come up. Their, Their frontal cortex closes down. And that's the space for reasoning. And the amygdala starts activating. And that's where we can't, you know, we can't reason with people. That is a space where we're doing the the fright, flight, freeze, appease um, kind of situation. That's not healthy in a conversation. What's healthy in a conversation is when two people come together and are both open to listening to each other mm-hmm. and being able the opportunity to process and to uh, reason with that new information. So pushing people into uncomfortability actually stops that whole thing from happening and will often make them not want to have conversations with you anymore because we don't like having conversations with people who make us feel uncomfortable. Hmm. However, and this is another tip, coming into it with a space of respect, that every person um, is an autonomous being. And we have our own experiences and we have our own backgrounds and we have our own opinions and thoughts. And who are we to decide what is right and wrong for anyone else? Mm. So if we can come from that space where if I, I'm not coming from a, I'm not righteous in my beliefs. This is the things that I believe and this is why I believe it. So I believe in changing the date of Australia. The reasons I believe it is because it is harmful to the Aboriginal and Torres Strait community, which means that their human rights are being denied and I believe in human rights. So that's why I'm doing my thing. You can do with that information whatever you want to do with it, but I'm having this conversation because I, you know, conversations are about caring about people too. Mm. We wanted to interrupt this goodness for a moment to share with you, we are currently enrolling in the next cohort of the Slow Mastermind. Think exhaling as you expand, softening into success and inviting in both peace and profit as you create a life and business filled with richness and riches. Unlike most masterminds that either support your heart or your head, Slow is a space where both are held, a space where strategy and embodiment are woven together to support your whole self through all the seasons, especially the messy ones. A soft space to land in your business, love your life and lead bravely for results in a way you never knew were possible. A space where slowing down is the catalyst for the abundance around you speeding up. Slow is the table of women we want to circle up with and sharing the journey of consciously creating a deeply impactful business that doesn't cost you your life and still generates a healthy profit. Perhaps it's the table you've been searching for too. If so, we'd love you to apply. Head to theslowmastermind.com for more information.
To help you kickstart your journey to slow sustained success when you apply before the 31st of January 2024, you'll receive two bonus one-on-one calls, one with Sam and one with Jess. Plus, you'll get access to monthly group coaching until the mastermind officially commences in April. And I think that's where I love the whole concept of calling in rather than calling out. Like I, I was trying to be caring and kind of reach out and say, oh, hey, I, you know, but I think the thing that really stood out for me, and I'm sure like so many of our listeners are going to be like feeling this too. Like, it's like, wow, that neutrality is like so important because yeah. if we want to do this work and we want to work on, on this process, then we need to be able to have that neutrality otherwise I think we'd burn out like I can imagine if I had like I was okay after that conversation because it was just one person but I imagine if I had that conversation with like 10 people because I didn't have that neutrality I would have just been completely wiped out and so yep the way you speak I have this sense of you um it's like there there's so much like authority but in this really beautiful generous way of just like you know what's right and what's true for you and you can have that conversation and and other people's perspectives don't don't shift you or don't sway you and it yes. yeah it's very I've, I've got so much admiration and respect for that um oh thank you yeah but and I think it's it's not easy though is it to have that neutrality like we can often feel quite emotional when we when we go into these conversations. No, no, it's a skill, absolutely. Yeah. And it's a communication skill we're not actually taught. We're not yeah. taught it in schools and we're not taught it through society. Um, and they are s- skills specific to social impact, yes. um, having these types of conversations because they are conversations that uh, dismantle and oppose the oppressive systems and the oppressive systems have whole um oh well it's it's a massive plethora mm. of ways to communicate to discredit anything mm. that goes against them and we've been taught how to communicate in these particular styles mm. um so it is this the types of communication styles that i teach are dismantling ones Mm. Um, and I actually created a free ebook which has got 10 of these tips communication tips um, in it to have effective social impact conversations and I'd be more than happy to give you the link for your listeners and they can download that it's got 10 tips in there Um, there is heaps that you can do with there but I also wanted to um, you, you mentioned calling in and calling out yeah I want to quickly just talk about that Yes. Because calling people out is mm. something that is only awarded to people who have privilege. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People from marginalised communities don't have even have the option of calling out people and cancelling people. It yeah. all must be calling people in. Now, mm. in my in, in you know my Aboriginal community, we will call in regardless because we we feel that when you are um, behaving in harmful ways towards other people, it's when you've lost sight of who you are. Mm-hmm. And so we call you in and we remind you who you are. We remind you how loved you are, all those kinds of things. But uh, because when, and I'll explain a little bit why, Mm. It is a privilege to be able to call people out and say, you know, you don't, 
we, we disown you. You don't belong to our community. We're disowning you kind of thing for your behaviour. Yeah. In marginalised communities, we don't have the option of doing that. When someone from our community does something that is antisocial or people uh, do not agree with, mm-hmm. they are lumped with us regardless as mm-hmm. a whole community. Yeah. We can't say we don't own them. We yeah. just, we, we're, we're, we, no, we don't want them to be part of our community. We don't agree with it either. They are automatically still lumped with us. So calling people out and cancelling people mm-hmm. is totally a privileged thing to do and it is in support of that privileged system of not enoughness. They're not good enough. So we're going to push them away. We're going to tell them they don't belong. We're going to alienate them, all those kinds of things. So if you can go, how can I just call you in and go, let's have a quick chat about this thing. Uh, this is this is what I'm feeling or this is this is something that's come up that I that you may not be aware of. Just calling them in gently. They don't have to agree with you, mm-hmm. but it's still going to move them along that yeah. journey. They might need, you know, a thousand little conversations. Yeah for them to go you know what I get it now Mm. or they might have one conversation and go you know what I get it now but each time it is us saying this is socially unacceptable what you have said or what you have done and as humans we don't like that we don't like to be socially unaccepted Mm -hmm. so even if you think that it's not creating an impact it actually is and it actually does and maybe a lot of people thought what you thought and maybe that person got a lot of DMs. Well, that was what was interesting because I think about a month later the post was taken down. So I think, it, yeah, like sometimes it is like all those little conversations, hopefully everyone coming from a different angle um, will eventually make a, you know, a difference. I think for me there's something about like life coaching industry maybe needing a little bit more accountability as well because it is such a... Um, unregistered kind of industry part of it was like hey you're a life coach how can you be behaving like this but I know that there are like so many different types of life coaches and so many different kind of standards as well the biggest takeaway of what you've shared for me is like like doing it in this kind of gentle way where I just stay grounded in my truth and I don't get so swept up on whether I make a difference or not I think that's something that I'm going to really kind of reflect on and keep working on yeah stand in your power yeah you know you you know your truth you do you and you doing you role models to other people yeah 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 thank you I think that's really powerful and for anyone who does want to keep having those social impact conversations but maybe you find it challenging as I have kind of really vulnerably shared that They're not always conversations that come easily. I do really encourage you to download Louise's free tips and tools. It sounds um, like, yeah, it's just something that will serve myself and Jess and our community so much. So we'll definitely put the link in the show notes. I'm really curious for anyone who does want more support around this, Louise, how could they work with you and how could they um, receive support from you? Well, the very best way is absolutely through my membership, which is if you are an online service-based business owner, it is the Inclusion Creators Collective membership. Um, And in there you get 
basically everything you need to to really uh, support you in creating an inclusive business and support you in having these really impactful conversations through your business and in your life as well. Because in there we have uh, life coaching calls, we have workshops to uncover um, your, your biases and unpack your privilege. We have new masterclasses on topics that you might not even know are important for business to know about inclusion, diversity, equity, allyship, accessibility, all those different things. And we have guest speakers in there who are from marginalised communities. So you kind of have all that stuff happening in there, um, but it doesn't require a massive amount of time. You come into the live things, you do them. That is basically all you need to do. The only other things you need to do is decide how you're going to show up in an inclusive way and action it. That's the only other bit and, bit and piece that you need for it. There are no modules. There is no homework for you to do. Just come to those calls, listen to them, um, and that's that's about it. But if you aren't in that that business space, you can work with me one on one, or if you don't, if you prefer to do like a really intense kind of work, one on ones most most certainly are available too. No, that's great. I was thinking because yeah, some of my community are more um, just interested in personal development, and they might still really love to do that work with you. So thank you so much, Louise. I really appreciate you sharing. Like, I feel like you've just been so honest and so real and so generous with um, your guidance. So thank you so much. You're so welcome. Thank you so much for the invitation and thank you to all of your listeners for listening and really being open to hearing the words that I'm speaking and allowing me to be vulnerable with you, Itch. Thank you. Thank you.